worthy of thanksgiving. Church, can we celebrate Jesus? Let's celebrate him for his goodness. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. There is no God like our God. Glory be to Jesus. Amen and amen. We thank God for the life of Mama. And I like what she said. He said that dawn prayers works. I've been reading the testimonies. I get reports every morning. And some of the testimonies of people as they join and connect on phone to pray. It's amazing. It's amazing. God will never leave himself without a witness. May God meet you at your point of need. Can I hear somebody clap your hands and say a big amen? I'll say this our tradition. Please lift up your hand with me. Let's do one prayer quickly because of time. And say after me, say Holy Spirit. Please pray it well. Say Holy Spirit. Anoint my spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Anoint my heart. Anoint my eyes. Anoint my ears. And anoint my mind. In the name of Jesus, let this prayer work for my family as well. In the name of Jesus, open your mouth and pray for yourself and for your family. Spirit of the living God, come on, talk to him. Tell him to anoint your eyes. Anoint my spirit. Anoint my heart. Anoint my eyes. Anoint my mind. Anoint the minds of my children. In the name of Jesus Christ. Yes. 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 Anoint our ears. Anoint our hearts. Anoint our minds. Anoint our spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Please pray this prayer again. I want you to pray it well. Listen. When your eyes, when your spirit is anointed, it means that your spirit gets connected to the spirit of God. Amen. Nothing will take you by surprise. Amen. That is when the Bible says that you will hear a voice behind you. You can hear because your ears are anointed. You will see because your eyes are anointed. May you and your family receive an anointing of these senses in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If your children are in school, their minds must be anointed. So that beyond human comprehension, they will gain insight. Somebody open your mouth and pray right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, anoint my spirit. Anoint my eyes. Anoint my ears. Anoint my spirit. Anoint my mind. Anoint my ears. Anoint my the heart of my children. Anoint the spirit of my children. Anoint the heart of my children. Anoint the eyes of my children. Anoint the in the name of Jesus Christ, let every child in this church receive an anointing on their heart and on their mind. Let every child in this church receive an anointing of their spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Let their minds be anointed. I pray for every member of this church. Anoint their heart. Anoint their spirit. Anoint their mind. Anoint their fears. Anoint their in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. This morning we give you praise and glory. Let us never leave the same as we came. Speak to us. Touch my lips. And Lord, hide me behind the cross. Let only Jesus be seen. Let only Jesus receive all the glory and all the honor. As your word comes forth, heal the sick. Deliver the oppressed. Let somebody leave this place blessed. In Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands and say, Amen. Before you take your seat, 
point to three people and tell them I love you with the love of the Lord. Come on, tell three people I love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't say I love you with a wicked face. Say it well. Uh, uh, you think because of the nose mask, we can't see that you are giving us things. Glory be to Jesus. Please be seated. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 and 13. First Thessalonians 5 12 and 13. All right. It says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly or highly in love for their works sake and be at peace among yourselves. Amen. Last week we began a series on the man of God. And last week we discussed the man of God and his character. This morning we are going to talk about the work of the man of God. The work of the man of God. I believe that by the time we are through with this series, you will never miss the blessing any genuine man of God carries in Jesus' name. Yeah. I can hear you say a better amen than this. I know, I know you say a better amen. All right. So, Paul was literally pleading or begging the church in Thessalonica to recognize and to esteem those whom God has set over them because of their labor. So he says that esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Unfortunately, in our generation, many people, even in a church, even in the church, in the body of Christ today, do the opposite of what Paul told the church. Um, in fact, some people believe that the role of the man of God is not very, very necessary. Paul, however, calls us that we should esteem them for the sake of their labor or their work sake. Now, the word used for labor, the original Greek word, you know the New Testament was written in Greek. So sometimes when you want to understand what it really means, you go to the root word to know exactly what it meant. It is like sometimes when you say medal or I love you, just like that, it, it sometimes doesn't bring out the exact meaning of some of the things you want to say. Because when I say to my wife, I love you, it is not the same as me saying to Reverend Pani, I love you. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Because even though the word is love, but from the Greek or from the root word, it means other things than just the love we express just like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, in the labor he was talking about is the same word defined kopayo, or it is pronounced kopayo in the Greek. It means to labor until worn out. To labor until you are worn out or you are tired. Depleted. Exhausted. To toil. Work with effort. Bodily and mentally. Is that okay? So when Paul says that esteem them for their work or their labor, what he was saying is that these people, they work until they are worn out. They get depleted and exhausted. They toil. They work with effort of body and mental labor. Amen? So why does Paul use such strong terms in reference to the job of the man of God? And that is what I want us to understand today. So in our sermon this morning, or in my sermon to you this morning, we will examine the biblical examples or perspectives of the work of the man of God. 
what it entails or what it means and what God expects from us as his people as a result of the work of the man of God. Because you see, until you understand somebody's work, you can't even properly appraise him. You can't properly analyze him. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you don't know what it means to be a president, for example, you can easily sit somewhere and just be insulting a president. Because all you saw was that he sat in a motorcade. Win, 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 win. And then just pass. Especially if your president is an African one. Like we are in Africa, where they sometimes can line up about 50 to 70 cars at a go. But, I mean, it's true. It's more difficult to be a president in Africa than it is anywhere. Alright? Because... Everything is basa, including sometimes our presidents and our people themselves. You know, but until you understand somebody's work properly, you can't properly appraise them and be able to understand them. Amen? So I will be using the term pastoral ministry, or sometimes you hear me say spiritual work, but it refers to the work of the man of God. But you and I understand that in our generation, there are lots of misconceptions when they say somebody is a pastor. And it's work. True? Oh, come on, talk to me. True? Yeah. When you say somebody is a pastor, there are a lot of misgivings, a lot of misunderstandings. People have all sorts of ideas, funny ones. So quickly, let's look at some misconceptions about pastoral ministry. Number one, some people believe that pastoral ministry is not actual work. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Uncle Pedro, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I remember one day some, somebody I used to work with who did the service with me some years ago at church in, in the dome. And the person was very interested in ministry. And when the person's mother saw that the person was getting too close to ministry, the woman called me and said, Osofo, may my warning. As if to say that ministry is not work. Number two, ministry, the second you know, um, misconception is that people think ministry's work is inferior or ministry is inferior work. When you do pastoral work, especially those of us who do full time, it's like you are you are, you, are, you are a low-class person. Because people consider those who work in the bank leading and making sure that businesses are growing. People consider pilots to be very, very, to be doing a very good job. Imagine people ask you, what work does your father do? And you say, oh, my father is a pilot. It looks prestigious, isn't it? Yeah. Or my son is a medical doctor. He's a specialist. <laughs> and then they ask your child, this one, my father is an accountant. My father is a medical doctor. My father is eh, an MP. Then they ask your father, my father is a pastor. <laughs> eh? You see the way you are laughing. That's how people laugh. Yeah, because for most people, it is, it is an inferior work. It is an inferior work, you know. And then number three, ministry work can wait. There are a lot of people who believe that, oh, as for ministry, it is there, it won't go anywhere, so it can wait. Have you heard that before? Church, talk to me. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Oh, ministry, debate matching. In fact, some years ago, for somebody to come into ministry, it means that the person has retired. Huh? Those of you who are a bit elderly, you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Maybe you are an, a, a school teacher or a headmaster in a certain school, and then you go out, and then when you are 60 years, then you now go and you now put on a collar to become <laughs> you know, a man of God. So when they see you as a man of God, you must have a lot of gray hair. Lord have mercy. I don't need a gray. <laughs> Amen. But this is not the case. The prime of everybody's life 
should be spent serving God. Oh, I didn't hear you. Uh, amen. Uh, the best time to serve God is not when you are old. In fact, that's what the Bible says. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Even in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, beyond a certain age, you are not qualified to be a man of God. You are not qualified to be a priest. If you have to be a priest, by 30, you should be a priest. That was the view of the Jews. By our generation today, they tell you that, oh, wait. I've heard a lot of that. Eh? <laughs> Growing up, I heard a lot of that. That you can wait, but it can't wait. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Too many people see that the, the pastor's work as a lazy one. And, you know, they feel that, oh, the pastors don't do anything. He just goes to walk around in the church and then you know, make some small, small prayers to God, sleeps and watches TV, and then comes back the next Sunday to come and preach a little sermon, and then, our Father who art in heaven, hello, I'd be thy name. Amen. But that is not true. Why should a lawyer, doctor, or banker leave their important careers to work in a place like the church? That's the question. But let me quickly take you to the fourth one, <clears throat> that ministry work is associated with poverty. I think this one, for some reason, it has changed quite a bit. <laughs> but some time ago, when they said somebody was a pastor, immediately you must pity him because he's very, very poor. <laughs> you are associated with poverty. But the ministry for a long time has been associated with poverty for time immemorial. To many people, the call into the ministry is a call to suffer the lack of basic needs of life. Of course, every single Christian, every one of us, has been called to live a life of selflessness. We've been called to live a life of sacrifice. And when necessary, we've been called to live a life of suffering for the sake of Christ. In fact, I dare tell everybody here this morning that suffering is part of our Christian calling. I know you don't like that. It's too early for that, isn't it? But that is the truth. Suffering is part of our Christian calling. You will not always have it rosy, but it is the best suffering one can ever have in life because the end always gives a better result. If you are here with me, wave your hands and say a big amen. So, this, however, does not mean that the life of a minister is condemned to poverty and his family will remain in poverty the rest of their lives. No. You remember the story of Peter. He asked Jesus, we've left everything. We've come to follow you. What shall we get in return? Because he realized that following this man, we followed, ah, nothing is happening. <laughs> and Jesus told him that whoever leaves family, mother, brother, sister, Anchors, houses, and money to follow me. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have a hundredfold. And in the world to come, you shall have eternal life. So, yes, we have been called to suffer, but God is a rewarder of every minister. Can I hear somebody say, Amen? amen. Alright. So, there is nothing wrong anybody called to do ministry. Number five, ministry work People believe it's easy and it's neither demanding or exacting. That's the misconception people have that, oh, when you see somebody who is a pastor, it means that his work is very easy. How many of you have believed that before? Maybe you don't believe it now, but you used to believe that. Let me see your hand. Uh, don't lie. All liars, you know where they'll go to. Yeah. Thank you for those who, are, who have been very, very truthful. But... People used to believe that, oh, ministry work there, it's very easy. It's not a demanding work. They stay at home, you know, just enjoy themselves. Sunday, come and find something and tell the people and go back home, wait for the next Sunday. <laughs> I remember some, not too long ago, I think somewhere last year, there's a gentleman who came to the office to look for me, and I wasn't there. And so he was having a conversation with my peer then, um, in the office and was telling my PA that oh, 
these pastors here, they are enjoying all. We sit down and enjoy it, and then they just come and pass here more and then go back. And then my guy told him that, I think you should follow Bishop Ray for one, one week. <laughs> and then you can decide if it is a very lazy work. But it is not. Amen? Many are of the view that people who are highly skilled and highly educated should rather work in the secular so that those who are not very skilled and other things can do ministry work. The few churches don't need intelligent and skillful people to work in the ministry. But this is not the case. Amen? The reason why people fail to see the importance of the work of ministry is that we use secular concepts, secular principles to appraise them. Because in the secular, you start your day at 8 o'clock, isn't it? Yeah. And then you close by 5 o'clock for most people who work in the formal sector. For a minister, well, at 8 o'clock you might not see him. <laughs> but, I mean, my wife is here. Most of the times, my day starts at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Most of the times. Out of the 7 days in a week, maybe 5 days in a week, my day starts at 2 a.m. <laughs> and for, every, for any serious pastor... You can't use, get the secular principles to appraise them. You make a mistake. In fact, we need to talk about this thing so that every one of us can understand and appreciate what we do as ministers so that the needed benefit that must come to you, you'll be able to receive it. Can I hear somebody say amen? This morning, you are going to receive the benefit of having a man standing in front of you. Lift up your hand and shout a big amen. Yes, if you are clapping your hands, clap it well. So, from last week, you notice, I'll be using myself most of the times as an example, and I'll be using the presiding bishop. The reason is because it will help illustrate the point we are making very, very well. Is that okay? Now, most of the times, when I have to do serious work with the presiding bishop, you know the time we usually communicate? <laughs> Around 2, 3 a.m., we send emails. Sometimes, Reverend Pani, I send him messages, at dawn. Um, where is Brother William? Brother William, some of the times, Da Costa and Co. I send them messages. Jehu. Sometimes I send them messages 2 a.m., 1 a.m., 3 a.m. Because at that time, I can't be sleeping. I must, I must be waiting on God. So those of you who still believe that ministry is a very easy work, can you please take one week leave? Come, let's work together. <laughs> Somebody say Amen. But the mystery of ministry work, let's see this. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Much of what ministers does is very difficult to see. Much of what a pastor does is very difficult to see. That is why most people are likely to take the work of a minister for granted. The minister may spend the whole night preparing a sermon to preach. In fact, by Sunday afternoon, any minister who has a sort has started preparing for the next Sunday. When I close Wednesday night, the teaching service, by 12, 1 a.m., that day, Wednesday, I started preparing my sermon for the next Wednesday. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So, a lot of what ministers do is usually not seen. All you see is that the pastor came to church and preached for just 45 minutes or 30 minutes and he has finished. Wow, what an easy work. <laughs> 30 minutes, finish. I'm gone. Even if he preached two hours, for 24 hours he has just preached. Oh, so it's a very simple thing. But that is not the case. The people only see the few minutes the minister stands before them. But not the several hours they spend in prayer, in research, in reading, in writing, in meditating, and sometimes in visiting, and sometimes in going for evangelism. Oh, most people don't see that. So you can easily take it for granted. In Acts chapter 6 verse 4, 
Paul said, no, Peter said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the nature of the work is spiritual. The nature of the work is very, very spiritual. The law of work demands that we produce results or we make an impact. That is the law of work. It demands that anybody working must produce results or make an impact. I believe for all the ministers we've had in this church, they've made some impact in your life. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I said they've made some impact in your life. I believe my few weeks of being with you, I believe I've made some impact in your life. It doesn't come on a silver platter. It is hard work. Tell somebody it is hard work. Oh, the person didn't hear you. Tell the person it is hard work. If you don't know what your work is, you will not be in a position, or if you don't know what the minister's work is, you will not be in a position to appraise them, like I said earlier. With that in mind, we must understand that work differs from one industry to the other. So, for example, if you see a teacher, like my uncle here is a teacher, a teacher, right? If you, some time ago, okay. So if you saw him as a teacher playing football, that's, he may be exercising or having a hobby. Is that correct? Yeah. But if you met a footballer, where is my footballer friend? Uh, remember, what's his name? Philip. If you met Philip playing football, you think it's a hobby? That is work. <laughs> are, you, are you getting the point I'm trying to make? Yeah. So work differs from industry to industry. All right? So one of the distinct, one of the decisions between a professional in one domain and someone who performs an activity similar to what the professional does is the expertise and the qualification they bring to the field. So somebody may just do something by way of a hobby and other things, but somebody who has been called to do that work, he brings some expertise to the field. And that must be very, very well appreciated. All right? That is why the work of the minister is entirely different from the work of a person who performs other activities. So you can't say that, oh, because you build and you carry concrete up and down, so your work is more difficult. Than somebody who sits in the bank. Hey, is somebody getting what I'm talking about? Yeah. So quickly, let's look at three things about ministry work. Three very important things that defines ministry work. Number one. All right. So I first of all quoted to you Acts chapter six verse four, where Paul says, Peter says that we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, from the scripture above, we see some very important elements of the work of ministry. One of them, or number one, is labor in prayer. We've already talked about labor. We've tried to define what labor is. Is that correct? All right. So in Colossians chapter 4 verse 12, please, do you understand what I'm teaching this morning? Sure? Am I boring you? Okay. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 12, he said, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So the man of God does two kinds of prayers or makes two types of prayers. Number one, a prayer of consecration. And number two, the prayer of intercession. Let's take the first one, consecration. Consecration prayer is yielding to God to be used as his instrument of grace. It is this prayer that Paul quoted in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul gave us an example of a prayer of consecration. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, 
I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the minister is called to give himself continually to the ministry of prayer. If you find any pastor who doesn't pray but prophesies, he's an occultist. Huh? Go, oh, come on, church. Are you worried? I said that. Yes, it's true. If you find any pastor who doesn't have time for prayer but busily prophesying, please run away. He's an occult. Because the only place where a minister derives power, if he's called of God, is from the one who called him. It can't be from any other source. Hallelujah. This means he prays as part of his service to God. Part of a minister's service to God is prayer. The word service means work or a job. And prayer is work. <laughs> prayer is work. Prayer is work. I said prayer is work. Tell somebody prayer is work. I remember sometimes when we come to pray, some of you, when we are praying, just the two hours, and then you pray more. By the time I see some of you, you are sitting down. Why dig us here? This year, you won't dig us. Oh, I said this year, you won't dig us. Amen? But prayer is work. The word means, service means work or job. In the Bible, prayer is called service or work. That is, see it in Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. It says, always laboring for you. Or always laboring fervently for you. Fervent, laboring fervently for you in prayers. The Bible considers fasting and prayer as work. It is a voluntary commitment to God through prayer and fasting. Hmm? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 27, he says, In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, that is sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Prayer of intercession. The minister also has a duty to intercede for people through prayer. His intercessory prayers are in the following areas. And let me say this before I, before I get to that. Anytime you have a good pastor, you can be assured that somebody is always praying for you. And if you are a member of Perez Chapel, I want you to know that our presiding bishop is always praying for you. Oh, I, I thought you'd clap your hands and be more grateful. And if you are a member of Zoeland, you can be sure that as the presiding bishop is praying for you, your bishop in this house is always praying for you. The other day, Prophet Samuel said to the people of Israel, it is a sin for me not to pray for you. It is a sin. It is a sin for me not to pray for you. You know, and sometimes, don't take it for granted. Some of you, you've gone through a lot of things and you've come out. It is not because you were smart. It's because you had an intercessor who was interceding for you. Yeah, those of you clapping your hands, may God bless you. Some of you, the kind of demons that meant to chew you, and they decided they would, they would come at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., hey, but when they tried, here was your intercessor, saying, God, cover them. I cover them with the blood of Jesus. May my prayer for you work in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, any time when Israel will go to battle and then they will be winning the battles, they won't see Moses on the battlefield. So sometimes you go to work, you don't see pastors on the battlefield. You don't see Pastor Pani, you don't see Bishop Ray on the battlefield. You don't see him in the market. I don't come to your shop. But one of these days I'll be coming to your shop. You'll be in your shop by the time you say I'm there. Huh? Uh, or or, or you sack me. Uh, it is part of my work. I will get to that one very soon. Huh? But anytime they will go to battle, they will be winning. It is not because they were too skillful in battle. But the Bible tells us that it's because Moses will always be on the top of the mountain, lifting up his hands 
And as long as his hands was up, they would win the battle. When Moses got tired and his hands came down, they would start losing. So Joshua and her, they will hold the hands of Moses and lift it up. Because as long as the intercessor's hands are up, the people will win every battle. This year, our hands are up for you. Oh, I said, this month, my hands are up for you. When you go to battle, you will come back victorious. I said, when you go to the market, you shall come back victorious. Somebody clap your hands and shout, I am blessed. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying don't pray. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Pray. But no. And we'll get to that. One of these is where you understand the, the, the importance of the prayer of your pastor. So that you don't take it for granted. Yeah. So, the, the, the minister's prayer is in the area of one for salvation of souls. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. I'll just give you the scriptures because of time. Alright? But I've heard people say, Oh, me, I came to the church by myself. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Nobody invited me. Nobody invited you, it's true. But you came because somebody's prayer brought you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Somebody's prayer brought you. My sister, not, you came by yourself, right? Yes. She came by herself. And since she came, she's brought almost all her family to church. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that is what it does. So we pray continually for the salvation of souls. Their prayer is for Christians to grow. It's for your growth. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. My little children, of whom I travel in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So we are always praying for your growth. That is why the things that used to make you cry. First, no, any small demon that passes in front of you, I'm afraid. Nowadays, have you noticed that when they pass in front of you, you don't even notice them? Somebody say, I'm growing. No, you don't sound like you are growing. You still didn't sound it. Come on, tell someone. Let them look at your face and see whether you are growing or not. Are they growing? Yeah. You are going to grow better than you are now. I said you grow better than you are now. Hallelujah! For the healing of God's people. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 2 to 4. For healing. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to these shepherds of Israel that do not feed themselves. Should not the shepherd feed, should not the shepherd feed the flock? Verse 4. The disease have not been strengthened, have ye strengthened not? Neither have ye healed that which was sick. So God is expecting that the shepherd should heal those who are sick and to strengthen those who are weak and diseased. If you are sick in this place, I declare healing into your body in the name of Jesus. Oh, let me hear somebody say a better amen. See our sister's testimony. Huh? By now, it could have been anything at all. But thank God for a shepherd who knows how to pray for the healing of God's people. On Friday, somebody was sharing a testimony with me that the person said he had been on medication for how many years? About 10 years, right? Huh? 10 years. That was somebody's testimony. He said, from January, I've not taken the medication. He said, at first, I could only stop the medication for about two or three days. And then I was still having reactions. He said, after January, I've not taken medication again, but I'm fine. You will not go down with sickness in the name of Jesus, guys. I don't like your amen. Those of you on this side, I don't like. I said, you will not go down in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, I am healed. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I went for evangelism. And just around here, I was speaking to a man and he said, my wife has been very sick. I said, can I come inside and pray for her? He said, yes. So I went in there. And then, is Edward here? Okay, he's going to be coming maybe, maybe in the second service. And then I went in there and I prayed for the wife. Very, very sick. When I got home after a while, 
I was doing my normal follow-ups. I usually call all the people I've, you know, spoken to. So I called him and I said, how's your wife? He said, what's up <laughs> Glory to Jesus. So, praise also for your protection. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus said to Peter, He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. You are covered. Uh, and then, the last one is that pray for the impartation of spiritual gifts. Hmm? Romans chapter 1 verse 11. I long to see you that I may impart into you some spiritual gifts. Some spiritual gifts. So anytime you come, as I'm praying for you, something is being deposited in your life. One of the graces I believe I have is the gift of prayer. Every member of this assembly, you will receive a mantle for prayer. One amen. Amen. The second work of a pastor is to labor in the work. Ah, Charlie. Today all my time was taken. <laughs> Mercy. All right. Let me just mention it because next week we can't come back to it. Labor in in the word. That's the second work of the minister. So the first work of the minister is prayer. The second is word. Is that correct? All right. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders that do rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. So we labor, work in the word. So the ministry of the word is in two aspects. Receiving the word and delivering the word. Before anybody must speak to you God's word, the person might have heard. Must have heard. And then to deliver the word of God. The minister cannot deliver the word unless he receives it first from God. And then after that, you have to do a lot of reading, meditation, and studying. Paul said to Timothy, First Timothy 4.13, Till I come, give yourself, give attention, or give attendance to reading. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Hmm? And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, he said to Timothy again, he says, The cloak that I left in trust with Capus, when you are coming, bring it with you. And the books, and the books, especially the parchments. You don't have a good pastor until you have somebody who reads and studies the word of God. Amen. For all the people, for all the pastors you've had in this place, have you been fed with the word of God? Have you been fed with the word of God? Ah, ah. Studying is one of the things a man of God must do. 2 Timothy 2.15 Steady to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Steady to show thyself approved. Steady to show thyself approved. Steady. So you can only be approved by what you have studied. Ministry is not for idiots. Do you understand what I said? Yeah. There is no place for stupidity behind the puppet. No, there is none. Hosea 4.6 says that because you have rejected knowledge, I, the Lord, I will reject you from becoming priest. Don't go and sit in front of anybody. I'm not talking about certificates. That's what I'm talking about. I've met people who have never been to school, ministers of God, but when they speak, you can tell that this is the wisdom of God. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking I'm not talking about English. No. I'm talking about divine wisdom because the person studies. Hallelujah. Are you blessed this morning? And the third work of a minister is meditation. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly unto them. Alright? Which means that the minister must do a lot of listening. Must do a lot of listening. Listening to men of God. Listening to preaching. Reading from others. Hmm? And then delivering the word. Second Timothy four two says that preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So in the church we only do, we don't do only exhortation. Hello. 
Tell somebody it is not only exhortation. Oh yes, there are times you come and you get exhorted. We'll give you an exhortational message. And, and your spirit will be charged. It is not emotions, it is exhortation. Are you get what I'm saying? But the Bible also says that we must reprove and rebuke. So, you can't go, you, you, you can't be living with somebody you are not married to and come to this church that I should give you a prophecy to confirm it. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Yeah. You don't pay tithes and you are saying that I should pray for your, your business <laughs> to do well. No, no, no. You must be a tithe prayer. You don't give offerings. I must teach you. And sometimes reprove you and sometimes rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. Somebody clap your hands and say a big amen. And then the third one is pastoral care. So the minister must give pastoral care. That is baptism, counseling people, conducting marriage ceremonies, child naming, child dedication, conducting funerals, training people to become ministers according to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, visiting people, doing follow-ups, and so on and so forth. So, in conclusion, in conclusion, the man of God must know and this is why we do what we do the way we do it that we will one day give an account unto God for this opportunity we have to be called ministers of God pastors don't forget it one day we will give an account is that okay? yeah this is very very important in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 this is a very very important scripture everybody take note of this scripture and this is to you, the congregation. I've told you that as ministers, we must be mindful that one day we'll give an account of what we are doing. But this is to you also, as a member of the church of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey them that have rule over you. And submit yourselves. For they watch over your souls. That they must give account that they that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you a few days ago i heard reverend Eastwood say something and i was watching him on facebook he said he said for most of you what your pastor thinks about you is what god thinks about you And there are some people, there are some Christians, they make the work of the pastor joyful, like the Bible says. That they may do it with joy. There are some church members, you may not even know their name, but once you see their picture, you are praying and their picture comes to mind. You pray with them for, with joy. There are some too. Hey! When you, are, when, when you see them, you must show, suffer. They will always criticize the pastor. Because they don't understand the work of the pastor. Lambast the pastor. Castigate him. Insult him. Tear him apart. Frustrate him. Paul says that they will give an account of your soul. So, you see, I came here on the 3rd of January. From the 3rd of January to the time I live here, that period of your life, I will give an account to God. Before then, every other thing you did, whilst Bishop Mohini was here, he will give an account of your life. The Bible says, did you see it in the Bible? He said, they watch over your souls. <laughs> you get what I'm talking about. So don't, don't be there and ask for me, it is only God. And ask for me, it is God. And ask for me. No, 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 no. You don't read your Bible. You don't, you don't, you are, you are not reading. You are not reading Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17. If you are reading it, you have a different perspective. Hmm? Hebrews 11, 13 verse 17 says that. He says, obey them that have rule over you. And submit yourselves. Submit doesn't mean that if they tell you to go and hang yourself, then you go and hang yourself. No, that's what it means. That submission must be according to the word of God. Is that okay? Yeah. For they watch over your souls. And then it goes further to say, as they must give account, they must, they must give account. 
that they may do it with joy. You see, when it came to their joy, he said they may give it to joy. Because whether it will be with joy or with grief, it depends on how you submitted yourself. Somebody understand what I'm talking about? Are you blessed? Are you blessed this morning? As the representative of Bishop Ajinasari in this place, and as your pastor here, I pray for you. You will never fall away. You will be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. You will be an exceptional Christian in the name of Jesus Christ. When you walk fire, it will not burn you. As your pastor, I pray for you this morning that God will keep you as the apple of his eye. Those waiting to waste your life, may their lives be wasted for your sake. I don't like your amen. I said those wishing to waste your life, their life will be wasted for your sake. But as for you, only with your eyes, you shall see the reward of the wicked upon your life. I bless you. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen. Are you blessed this morning? Uh, please be seated and bow down your head for a minute. Until you are born again, all we've said will not mean anything to you. But you want to be a child of God. If you are here this morning, you want your sins to be forgiven. You are not sure that if you die today, you go to heaven. Listen, heaven is more important than this earth. If you want your sins to be forgiven, so that when you die, you can go to heaven, please lift up one hand and I'll pray with you. Lift up one hand. Church, everybody lift up your hand. And pray this prayer. And we say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I come to you today. Forgive me all my sins. And wash me with your blood. Make me a new person. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Father, establish your son in your kingdom. Let him never be the same again. In Jesus' name.